0: Man, it was nice sitting around watching football over the weekend. It was great. And aren't we lucky that was only week one. There's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe. Reliable and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code RAINBOW when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during Week 2, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code RAINBOW during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Welcome to the
1: Rainbow
2: Skyline Podcast. On the athletics. That nice That's try and try and in my house. And I told him, listen, if you see me around Denver, Colorado, anywhere, better It's
0: all about the nuggets right now. Rainbow. Hello and welcome to uh, a midweek episode of the Rainbow Skyline podcast. I'm Dave DeFore. Kendra Andrews, as always, is here. Uh, We're excited. Another game seven win. Another 3-1 comeback. How, Kendra, look, this team, uh, I wish that they would just play like this all the time, but maybe I just... They just need to go down 3-1 in this next series. What in the hell are these guys doing? I don't get it.
1: I mean, it's it's hard to put your finger on it, right? It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because even within the 3-1 deficits in this last series against the Clippers, they fell behind double digits. In most of these games that they ended up winning, I believe in all three, game five, game six, game seven. At one point, the Nuggets were trailing by double digits, 16 in game five, 19, game six, 13, game seven. And they, every single time, figured out how to respond. And so it does kind of beg the question of if you guys were able to flip the switch so quickly to turn it on, why weren't you doing that the whole time? What were you doing before that, that prevented you from playing like that? Are, are you a fan of boxing
0: by any chance?
1: I'm not not a fan, but I'm not, you know, overly okay. into it.
0: Have you ever heard of the term rope-a-dope? I have. I think that the Nuggets have mastered the <laughs> rope-a-dope. And what they're doing, it's a little bit like Muhammad Ali, He would let you wear yourself out. He would fight these power punchers, and he's such a good you know, defensive boxer that he was able to pick guys apart, picking his spots here and there, not wasting a lot of energy like we saw Jokic last night. He didn't turn it on until the takeover time, which is the middle of the third. He basically baits the Clippers into expending tons of energy early to get these leads, and then they just – crushed them for the last 17 minutes of the game, and the Clippers are too worn out to do anything. Their shot-making just abandoned them completely in this series down the stretch because they were so exhausted. And I think that this has been the Nuggets' plan all along.
1: The Nuggets all season have been really good at beating some of the best teams in the league. If you look at the record, a lot of the losses, and Jamal Murray even talked about this after the game the other night, When you look at their record, a lot of their losses came to sub 500 teams, but a lot of their really big wins came against the Clippers, the Lakers, the Bucks, all these teams that were, you know, labeled NBA titles, just you wait and see. So they know, I think they really do know how to beat these teams. And I think what you said is a great example of the the Clippers exerted themselves so hard early And then once they got up to those leads, they kind of said, okay, we can breathe. And that's when the Nuggets really made their punch. I will have to say though, I am a little surprised that in game seven, they didn't change that approach too much. You saw that early on, one of their more noticeable adjustments that the Clippers made is that they were hounding Nikola Jokic with defense, which they hadn't done that far. They were throwing double teams at him from the jump. In the Games before, it was all the attention on Jamal Murray. But now they're like, okay, no, we can't. The plan of letting Nikola Jokic get what he wants will not work. But they were putting so much attention on Nikola Jokic. And he's so talented as a passer that he doesn't care. He will just get other teammates involved. But again, as you said, they put so much time and energy on that that by the second half, they had nothing else to give. And by then everyone on the Nuggets had found their groove. So there was nothing that they could do. And then, of course, the Nuggets defense also kind of squashed the Clippers.
0: I would make the argument that by sending the double, when Jokic can see the double coming, you've just worked right into his hands. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he he wants to carve you up by throwing passes. And I've never seen a guy – that clearly loves passing the way he does. I mean, he's very happy to score no points, I think. You know, we, we watch him during the regular season sometimes. Doesn't take a, a shot until the third quarter. I mean, I've seen this with my own eyes. And so by sending those weak doubles that they were sending, I mean, they were strong doubles, but it's weak when your seven-footer can pass like that and can see him coming. He was actually probably having a great time. Well, Dave, I feel like we've talked about
1: this before that Nikola Jokic wants to be the facilitator more than the primary scorer. That's what he wants. That's his bread and butter. If he doesn't have to be the primary scorer, he's like, okay, great. Who can I give that responsibility to? So yeah, by throwing double teams at him and like almost forcing him to pass more, he's like, this is what I'm made of. And now you're leaving a bunch of other of my teammates wide open. Jeremy, well, Jamal, Grant Murray. Had, Jamal, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, he the, got cooking. The one he had guy, 40
0: points. The one guy they've been keyed on this whole series, they just abandoned him they abandoned and they him. let him go off. And you have to know from watching that series against Utah, that if Jamal Murray gets hot early, it is a bad, it is a bad thing for the opponent. And he had 25 points in the first half, had that crazy second quarter with 20 points and and just was such a threat with the ball that by the time the second half came around and they started putting Lou Williams and Trez Harrell in that pick and roll and just absolutely eviscerating them, it was over because was Jamal over. was hot and confident.
1: And then you and then you look at guys like Jeremy Grant, he hit those back to back three pointers. I know that you posted a clip of that on your Twitter when the Clippers had an empty possession on offense. Jokic stole the ball right from the Clippers passed it out to Jeremy Grant, who was wide open for three. So then it's like, well, then what do you do now? You can't ditch Nikola Jokic. You can't ditch Jamal Murray. Now you have other role players hitting their open shots, which we had we'd said since before game one of this series, if the Nuggets want to win, guys like Jeremy Grant are going to have to hit their open shots. And he did. So when that starts to happen the the thread started to unravel for Los Angeles and the train started rolling for Denver.
0: Well, they got six threes out of Millsap grant and Harris. And that's, that's kind of their magic number. If those guys can give you six and especially in a game where Jamal gives you six, I mean, what's funny is Jokic hit zero. He didn't hit a right. single three and only scored 16 points, but you got that kind of production out of those other guys. So you didn't need it from Jokic and, and You know, the Nuggets are a lot of things, but I mean, they are 100% for sure a connected basketball team, which is funny because we were all so worried about Michael Porter Jr. upsetting the locker room like a week ago.
1: It's I think that chemistry has been a huge advantage for the Nuggets. I mean, you look at the Clippers, especially against a team like the Clippers, you look at the Clippers, it's their first season together as this core group, but then also Throughout the regular season, they didn't get to play many games as an entire unit. I think what the Nuggets have shown with their chemistry, even before this Clipper series, dating back to when they first arrived in the bubble with only eight players, that I think going through that really helped them in the long run against this Clipper team because they, they know how to work with each other. They know, okay, well, we're going to miss, we're missing Gary Harris, let's say, when he was injured. So how do we pick up that production from there? Okay, now Gary is here, but now we're missing Will Barton. Okay, Paul Millsap isn't playing very well. They know how to pick each other up and to fill in the holes when someone either is injured or isn't playing well. And just having that foundation, I mean, it's it's really, really big.
0: Well, it's amazing to believe that this is a team that (laughs) – up until the end of the series against Utah, was missing two starters. Mm-hmm. Is still missing, still missing Will Barton, and, and mm-hmm. who knows if he's going to play? I don't know if you've got an update on that, but I would doubt it at this point. Um, and somehow has managed to gut out these wins. And look, Jokic, Murray, they've been great. Uh, Gary Harris has just been a superstar. But I, I think that this series really highlighted how far Mike Malone has come as a game-managing coach. His rotations in this entire series were fantastic. He was loading his his offensive-heavy lineups for the times that the Clippers really were running out of gas. So middle of the third on, that's when you started to see those heavy Porter minutes. And I, I thought he did a really good job of keeping him in the game when he was cooking or rebounding well, like he did in Game 7 and pulling him quickly when when he didn't have it going. I, I think that is the, the hallmark of a guy that really has his finger on the pulse of this team.
1: Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll plug in. I know our colleague Nick Kosmider, he wrote a column on Michael Malone, so it's up on The Athletic right now. You should definitely go check that out. But yeah, I mean, Michael Malone has... Garnered the respect from all of his players. They trust him. And that really helps in situations like, hey, Michael Porter, you're gonna come sit on the bench. You know, he talked about, I think it was game f- five or six, I can't remember exactly. But everyone was super surprised that Michael Malone didn't play Michael Porter in the final minutes of the fourth quarter. And afterwards, he said, Yeah, but Monte Morris was really hot. I don't want to pull him out of his rhythm. And he, and everyone was like, Yeah. You're right. He's not going to disrupt people who are in the groove. He understands that, you know. I think that Michael Malone, I don't think people have given him enough credit for how he's coached this series even before this series. You go back to against Utah when he made those starting lineup changes by pulling Michael Porter Jr. and Torrey Craig and inserting Gary Harris and Jeremy Grant. That was huge and got them past that 3-1 deficit. You look at the adjustments that he's made in this series And the fact that his team is just saying, okay, yeah, you're right, yeah, and not getting stingy or upset, the fact that he's created an environment where a rookie like Michael Porter Jr. can voice his concerns and say, hey, coach, from my point of view, this is what I'm seeing. It says a lot about the culture that Michael Malone has built and just
0: his coaching ability. He actually had a little bit of a heat check in this game. Uh, he started started the fourth quarter with Mason Plumley, and oh man, my hand, my ha- my face immediately went into my hands, and I, I even tweeted, "You just can't play Plumley right now." And somehow, in four and a half minutes. The Nuggets actually increased their lead by one point, and Mm -hmm. I look like a total moron, and he looks like a genius. I mean, again, he's just got his finger on the pulse of this team, but it helps that I think that they've done a good job of scouting opponents. And by the time you've played three or four games against a team, you pretty much know what they're doing, and Mm -hmm. it's up to you to adjust accordingly. And this series, was it highlighted Malone's, ability to adjust and to to know where his players are versus Doc Rivers and his kind of stubborn approach not changing his rotations. actually played Zubac less in Game 7 than Game 6. And, you know, I, I think that it's time to maybe start talking about Mike Malone as being one of the better coaches in the league and for sure a player's coach. Like players should want to play for a Mike Malone.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's what that's how he describes himself. He describes himself as a player's coach for that very reason. If there is any animosity or friction or whatever between coach and player, I mean, we've seen how that plays out before. And especially for this Nuggets team that is on such an assertion you know, and is just going up, you can't have that. And Michael Malone knows that. I think it's helped that his dad was a basketball coach and he grew up in this environment and just understands what makes a good coach. But I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable what he's done. And I think, you know, I know we're going to get into this Lakers series a little bit more in a second, but we talk a lot about player matchups in series but i think the coaching matchup of frank vogel and michael malone and how they do approach these in-game adjustments is going to be a really really big thing
0: all right kendra let's uh
2: let's take a break here and when we come back we'll we'll wrap up the show this is the athletic Shield Kapatia here to tell you about liquid iv nobody likes to feel dehydrated maybe you get a little bit of a headache dry mouth you just don't feel like yourself but believe it or not dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC.
0: Uh, Stumbling on to the Gary Harris, Jokic, Murray, Porter lineup that he was rolling out there in third quarters, I I think can't be undersold. I mean that Mm – it didn't quite win the series, but it certainly tilted it in their favor. Um, This has become essentially the Gary Harris – celebration (laughs) podcast.
1: I'm going to get a shirt or something.
0: (laughs) I need a Gary Harris shirt. If anybody's got one, maybe our friends at DNVR are going to make a Gary Harris shirt. Uh, Maybe something with like opposing players in handcuffs. I don't know. We'll figure something (laughs) out. But Gary Harris, uh, his contribution cannot be oversold because he was fantastic in the entire series. He's been great since he came back. He doesn't even really look like, you know he's hampered at all by this injury that kept him out up until game six of the Utah series. He had 14 points. I mean he's we know what he's doing defensively, and he has been fantastic, and and I think is the key to their turnaround. But he's actually contributing on offense in a way that he really didn't when he was healthy during the regular season.
1: Yeah, and I mean I think I've I probably sound like a broken record because I have said this so many times. I feel, but you know the Nuggets when he came back from injury, the Nuggets wanted him for his defense. They weren't. Ex- didn't really expect much from offense so that the fact that he is producing on offense has taken this team to a level that I don't think they expected them to be I mean I think I know that they know that they're good but I think they were planning on okay how are we going to play where we need to make up for Gary Harris's lack of shooting as he was before the break but that's not What's happened? We're seeing the Gary Harris from two seasons ago when he was really starting to break out. And you know, I think you mentioned it doesn't seem like his injury, which was a hip injury, or excuse me, it was either, no, it was a hip injury that kept him out. Michael Malone, again, this goes back to just him and coaching and having guys buy in, he was so cautious about bringing guys back after that long layoff, especially those guys who were injured, because he did not want anything to get worse. Could Gary Harris have started playing earlier? I believe that he probably could have, but Michael Malone did not want him to come back too soon because, again, we've seen what happens when guys come back too soon and get injured even worse. He knew how important Gary Harris was going to be if they wanted to make a deep run in these playoffs. So he didn't want to push him. He wanted him to fully recover so that when he came back, it wasn't you don't have to give his injury a second thought, which he hasn't, which has led to him producing at such a high level.
0: Ka- Kawhi and Paul George had five points on 18 shots in the second half of Game 7. If that doesn't... Spell defensive dominance to you. I don't know what what does. I mean, they did every single thing they had to do to stop the Clippers, and so much of the discourse, as we've talked about, is about the Clippers just completely, you know, crap in the bed. Which, granted, a lot of people thought that they were finals favorites, and so I get it. And it's a big team, and they've got Kawhi and all this stuff. But the truth of the matter is that Denver won this game. They won this series. And I think Gary Harris was the most important part of their victory because of his defense. I also want to point out, you know, Torrey Craig did a pretty good job individually on on Kawhi and Paul George when he was on him. Paul Millsap did his best and, and actually, you know, held up pretty well in this series. Uh, I, you know, Jeremy Grant was great. They're getting more defense than I think anyone rightfully expected out of, out of these guys.
1: Yeah, I mean – The Nuggets pride themselves on being a defensive team. They've played really good defense all season before the hiatus. Then they came back, and if you remember, defense is what they could not do. You know, Michael Malone said, we like to think of ourselves as a defensive-minded team you wouldn't know by how we're playing. So I think that a lot of people started to say, well, their defense is gone, you know, offense is fine, but yeah, against against the a Lakers team, against the Clippers team, well, if their defense isn't there, they're not going to stop them. They can't win. And I do think that that fed into a lot of the doubts that people had about Denver heading into this second series because their defense hadn't been as top tier as it's been in the past. But I mean, yeah, you when you look at this Clippers series, you can't if this makes sense, you can't blame it all on the Clippers saying they just shot themselves in the foot. The Nuggets forced them to like the Nuggets won this series for themselves. And so as much as you want to say, well, the Clippers really screwed up. Yes, but the Nuggets forced them to screw up. And from there, the Clippers did themselves no favors by just missing those open shots that the Nuggets weren't defending as strong on. But all of their shots down the stretch, all the Clipper shots were heavily contested. The Nuggets were super active. Their help defense was there, which was a problem early in this series. Um, so you have to give the Nuggets credit. They didn't come back from 3-1 by accident. The Clippers didn't allow them to come back from 3-1. They did it themselves.
0: All right, now it's time to look ahead at the juggernaut Lakers. Uh, not quite a juggernaut, but still very good Lakers. By far the best regular season team in the West. Um, this matchup is very interesting to me. Against Against Houston, the Lakers didn't play Dwight Howard. Like, mm-hmm. basically just did not play. Uh, in this series, I expect to see more Dwight Howard. I would argue playing Dwight Howard plays right – into Denver's strengths. Denver, Jokic, Jokic is fine against big centers. It's not yeah. a big deal. Who he struggles against is Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Lakers and you go big again to to you know battle Jokic, uh you have really, you know, kind of played yourself into their strong hand, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good point of how. Well, Nikola Jokic does on big guys, and I think that we've seen that so far. You see that with the matchup of Rudy Gobert, who they were, you know, really well matched up and, and Nikola Jokic kind of took advantage of that. I mean, the Clippers, I do think that or sorry, not the Clippers, the Lakers, gosh, switching from one L.A. team to the next, it's going to be kind of confusing. <laughs> um, the Lakers are definitely more well suited to match up against the Nuggets than the Rockets. So I do think that there's a part of the Lakers that are very happy to be able to not play that small ball lineup necessarily that they were playing against the the, the Rockets. Oh my goodness. Too many teams Um, to get some of those, those big guys involved. And yeah, I mean, I think that Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, them going at it is going to be really big. I think it's going to be important for both of those guys. Like, to stay out of foul trouble because I think both of them are going to try really hard to get one another in trouble, but they're going to be doing it to each other. You know, Anthony Davis to, to Jokic and Jokic to Anthony Davis. One thing that I think is going to be really big for the Nuggets because Anthony Davis might prove a little, more issues for Nikola Jokic is it's going to be even more important for the Nuggets to continue to hit shots from further out because the Lakers are stacked with shot blockers, right? They're really long, swat your shots, all that stuff. They don't do as well on perimeter defense. So it's going to be really important for guys like Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Monte Morris, and then also Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, Torrey Craig to hit those perimeter shots. Even Nicole Jokic, who we know can can jack up some threes, I think that taking advantage of their shooting and the three point line is going to be really important for the Nuggets.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think Jamal Murray is he's got to be extremely important again in this series. And you know what? I, I think that they can do this. I, I don't think that. It's unrealistic to think that they could win this series in seven games. Uh, it is definitely not outside the realm of possibility. The Lakers are obviously the better team on paper. But in in the regular season, I thought the Nuggets did pretty well against the Lakers. They had an overtime game. They had a victory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think that the Nuggets-Lakers is actually, in some ways, a better matchup for Denver than Utah was. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. If there's one thing I'm learning from this bubble, it's that coaching matters more inside the bubble than even I guessed. Yeah. And that and that anything can happen. It's a little bit unpredictable. The Lakers could sweep the series. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets could win in seven. I mean, it really could go either of those two ways. I think it could go Lakers in seven. It could go Lakers in six. Yeah. It's up in the air despite me feeling that the Lakers are the superior team.
1: Right. I am, something I'm really interested to see is how the Nuggets come out in this first game. You know, I don't necessarily think that game one is going to be the the big preview to how the rest of the series is going to go. But what I'm really interested to see is we remember that game one against the Clippers, right? Where the Nuggets came out absolutely pooped. They were exhausted from playing a seven game series against the Jazz. Well, here the Nuggets are in that exact same position where they just came back from another 3-1 deficit, another, you know, big Game 7. Did it go as close as that Jazz Game 7? No. But they still play, like Jokic and Jamal Murray played a lot of minutes. I'm really interested to see if they let a similar thing happen to them in this Game 1 or if they learned from that and they're finding ways to recover, they're not having practice today, they, uh, so a rest day, recovery day, probably. Also, it was Mike Malone's birthday the other night, so they are probably celebrating a couple things. But you know, just what I said before, I'm really interested to see what they learned from their approach in that other game one, coming off of a game seven, and heading into this team against the Lakers.
0: I'm pretty sure those dudes are sleeping all day today. And and to be honest with you, having an extra day off before the start of the series, and, and remember, yeah. it's going to be Friday night, so mm-hmm. they've got all day Friday as well. They might not be tired, and they might just it's, be firing on all cylinders and really surprise everyone and punch the Lakers in the mouth. We'll see. It
1: It really could happen because following up on what you just said – about the rest and stuff. Another thing to remember is after game two, Jamal Murray said a similar thing of they had a day in between game one and two. It was a late game for game two. They felt that their legs were more underneath them and then they came and socked the Clippers in the face. So yeah, I mean having that extra day is going to be really big for them and it's, I mean, it's it's going to be a good series either way. I think the Nuggets have proved that they We'll ha- at least have some fight in this. Whatever happens in this series, the Nuggets have proven something. And I think they're going to continue to do that against the Lakers.
0: Yeah, the the Nuggets belong, right? They are a good team well-deserving of a conference finals berth Mm -hmm. bubble or no bubble. This is a good basketball team. So I'm excited to watch this series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and, uh, we're going to be around for, for all of it. So, uh, make sure you guys, if you're not already subscribed on the app, please go and subscribe to the show. So you get alerts when there are new episodes and, uh, you know, use the comments. We're, we're checking in there and, uh, we're trying to get more people using them so we can take your feedback and use it in the show. Um, Don't forget, if you go to TheAthletic.com rainbow skyline, you can subscribe for just a buck a month, which is insane. Can't believe how cheap that is. And then, uh, you know, if you subscribe through iTunes or Spotify or whatever, make sure you, uh, you know, give us a good review and uh, rate the show. It really helps. Uh, For Kendra Andrews, I'm Dave DeFour, and we'll be back at some point during the Western Conference Finals.